This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, lovers of central Alberta and crafters of delicious beer. Say hi to Dave. He's kind of important, too. podcast episodes were the number of seconds that Emmanuel Williams lasted in his professional boxing debut before getting knocked out. You'd know this has to be episode 84 of The Harmonious Gentleman. Guys, I want to read you this little quote from uh, the website that talks about Emmanuel Williams. Is he possibly the worst boxer ever? (laughs) The 84 seconds prior to the fight ending punch were equally as disastrous as a bewildered and completely out of his depth Williams awkwardly danced and pranced around the ring much to the shock of the crowd and those watching. Williams was alarmingly void of technique, know-how, or a defense of any sort, as Rinkin found the target with ease before a crunching shot to the midsection brought the bout to a swift end. But this is a professional match? Professional match. I looked him his stats <laughs> up. He's actually 0-3, and, and oh. this was his longest fight. So this was his first fight. How did he get to that fight. point? I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't look too far into it. But. And what, what year was this? This was 2018. Oh, I picture some old, like, 1930s, old-timey, you know. So he lasted 70 seconds and 54, I think, in his subsequent fights. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. What's his name again? Uh, Emmanuel Williams. Shout out. Shout out, Emmanuel. (laughs) Recommend finding that on YouTube, I guess. 84 seconds. I mean, I can sit here and laugh all day, but if I tried to fight... (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, He's not the worst boxer of all time. No. I think there's (laughs) a few of us here who would probably be worse. Well, worst professional. Okay. Well, I'm... uh, I'm Graham. I'm Tyler. I'm Chris. Nice. And uh, we're the gentlemen, and we have emails, and it's a new year, and we always talk about remaining harmonious with people who have different points of view than us. And dang it, we got a great email to kick the year <laughs> off. Um, and I would love Tyler to take it over from yeah, here. I'll, I'll read this. It's uh, from Mark. It says, Dear all, firstly, Happy New Year. I really enjoy your podcast and thus must take issue how you use the word capitalism like a cudgel. Your criticism of capitalism is neither harmonious nor gentle. Ouch. I define (laughs) capitalism as the assemblage of resources, investment, to develop a profitable, hence sustainable, enterprise. I find it interesting that you critique capitalism while sitting in Red Heart, Blind Man Brewing, Cilantro's, or Phil's. All of these businesses are capitalist enterprises. I've had the privilege of serving state enterprises, private enterprises, and, and NGOs through my business. I now donate my time to help enterprises in countries with high level of state control and in others with a more laissez-faire economic approach. I've seen corruption in every system, and I've worked with good people under every system. I would suggest that it is not the economic system that defines whether the business or enterprise will run itself in a moral manner. It is more often the attitude of the owner, whether public or private. The ones that love God and love people as a whole endeavor to take care of staff, treat their supply chain honorably, and not treat the environment as an an externality. It is not a one-to-one correlation, but it is a pretty good indicator. I really appreciate what you do, and I hope this criticism helps you to do even better. Feel free to hold us capitalists accountable, but perhaps on an individual basis, not as a class. Perhaps you could have a podcast of the consequences of using code words like capitalism out of context. Grateful for all you do, Mark. P.S. If you want an example of burnout, ask a capitalist who's trying to meet payroll every two weeks and keep their awesome staff gainfully employed. 
Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I think Mark earned a t-shirt, right? He I did, we yeah. Said, we said in a previous episode that the first email in the new year would be yeah. t-shirt worthy. Do you guys have any just response? Like, we well, I'm the only true capitalist in this group, so I, I'm on board with Mark. <laughs> I'm, that's me. Yeah, I thought he had some good points. No, I'm, like I'm kidding. He did have some, yeah, yeah. Think about it more. Well, and I, I had uh, a, a listener who was as quite as an early listener of one of our most faithful uh, approached me this last week with sort of a similar sentiment and actually asked, have you like heard any other feedback about that? And I didn't know about the email at that point. So, and you were like, have we? Yeah. Um, Tyler, how do you feel about that? Like, uh, you know, it, not that he was going after you <laughs> uh, per se, but how did you take that? I, I did feel targeted. Um, no, just a <laughs> yeah. little bit, but yeah. um, I mean, it's hard not to be defensive but that's part of being harmonious too, right? Is to be able to take criticism um, and acknowledge, like he had some really good points. I think we do use, or I use, I'll just talk for myself. Like I use capitalism as a, he said, as a cudgel. I use it as like a, a bad word mm-hmm. um, and probably overgeneralize when I criticize capitalism. I think there's a lot I'd like to say to Mark and have a longer conversation with him, but can't really do that right now so yeah in the email segment we might not have enough time to do all that <laughs> i do wonder though if that was in specifically in response to our last episode in which we were talking about burnout and i think we mentioned yeah. some of the billionaires who are running their businesses in such right. a way to mm-hmm. maximize right and, but that's been it's been in other episodes people. too we've had yeah. similar it's a bit of a through line that might have yeah. been the straw that broke mark's camel's back yeah it was clear he listened, though, because he, yeah. he could name, rattle off all the places we've recorded. So that was cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We will maybe have to sort of put a pin in that for another yeah. day, maybe. Maybe a guest who could expand on those views maybe more mm-hmm. and, and make us reckon with ourselves a little bit. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Heck of an email to kick off this year. Yeah, it was. Well, um, speaking of kicking off the year, I need things to do with my time over this break. I need some recommendations. And we have an extra guest here, by the way. Yeah. Um, She's been sitting very silently <laughs> and politely. We're going to bring our guest, Jessica, in uh, for the first segment here, recommending things, and then we'll talk more about uh, why she's here. Sound good? That sounds great. Awesome. Nice. These recommendations are brought to you by Cilantro and Chive, serving up fresh, simple eats while supporting their community and spreading the love. So the break is beautiful, but the days are long when the kids are young and uh, you got to find <laughs> things to do. And my recommendation this week, you guys, is I think we've actually mentioned this before, but one of the gems in Red Deer's Bower Ponds, and especially with the ice being in good shape, um, it's just an awesome place to go skating. There's a hill for sledding. And I popped in there to get my daughter a little balance, what do you call those, a little helper thing, help her skate. Pusher. Yeah, I'm going to edit that out. Um, Anyway, um, and I was in there, and then the person who was helping me out was an ex-student of of mine that I taught. And then there were three more students who I taught in the past. Nice. And the majority of them were all listeners of the podcast, and so we had a big chat. And so I just thought, man, I'm going to recommend this place. And I had a hot dog for the kids there, and their rental shop was super nice. Very cool. So I don't even know what the building's called at Bower Ponds. Bower Ponds Rental. I think it's Bower Ponds Recreation. There you go. I think so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you go. I recommend going to Bower Ponds, doing a walk, doing a skate, meeting those wonderful listeners, and uh, having a good time. Yeah. Good recommendation. That's kind of like the family 
family recommendation. I have more of an adult-themed recommendation. Oh, wow. Um, what? <laughs> in Calgary. These are, I have two. I'm going to kind of recommend going to Calgary. I, I didn't, I've always been a team Edmonton guy. Good call, and, good call, Tyler. And even as a city, I like Edmonton better. But after spending two days and one night in Calgary, I've the scales have tipped a little bit hmm. towards um, in Calgary's favor. And part of it was going to t- these two locations. One was Major Tom. It's a cocktail bar on the 40th floor of a high-rise building downtown. Whoa. Wow. And it was just spectacular views, great drinks and snacks and things like that and then we went for for dinner at uh 10 foot henry which was just a, an amazing restaurant is it 10 and feet off the ground no <laughs> oh. no it's uh on ground level yeah just just great and i i need awesome. to shout out uh he's listened before i'm not sure if he'll hear this but Jaden, my friend who lives in calgary i asked him for some recommendations he gave us a handful we tried out a bunch of them and they were all amazing yeah. these are just the two i want to steal from him awesome cool yeah that's major great, tom major, that's a great name yeah, for a place too. Is. Yeah. yeah i'm a i'm a red deer guy i don't know about you guys <laughs> you talking about edmonton and calgary if you're if you want to go to the big city well, i grew up in a pretty small town so this is kind of big city it too. is actually nice i still get lost chris recommendation i'm gonna say if you're not going out to calgary or you don't like the outdoors stay inside and watch a show <laughs> on prime right now uh there's a show called the Terminal List, starring Chris Pratt, and it's conspiracy, kind of army, uh, PTSD, the defense. Everybody's involved. It's really cool. Nice. Got to watch it. Eight episodes. Pretty violent, so be careful. And if you like revenge, this show's for you. Right on. Mm. I love revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does actually. <laughs> So, uh, Jessica, <clears throat> I'm going to recommend a book. Um, I'm in the midst of reading it right now. It is also a little more adult themed. It's called I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. And it's a memoir. So it is. Uh, um, Jeanette was a co-star on the Nickelodeon hit show iCarly way in back in the early 2000s. Mm. Um, a little bit uh, like I didn't watch it as a kid. Um but basically the story of her and her mom's relationship, her mom pushing her into acting, um, and her mom having cancer and battling this very toxic relationship with her mom plus this illness. Anyways, it's excellent. And um, I just think Jeanette is very brave for writing a book like that, and I'm really enjoying it. Right on. Yeah. Well, look at that, a book on top of activities and a show. (laughs) Yeah. You're set for January. We're set, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of um, great stories, Jessica, you have a great story. Oh, yeah. And that's why we're having you on. Yeah, well, thank you, firstly, for having me here. Yeah. It's really, really good to be on the show. Awesome. Well, yeah. we'll just uh, pause for a moment, and maybe we'll give a proper int- introduction in a moment. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. This harmonious conversation is brought to you by 5024 General Store, bringing skateboards, fashion, and creativity to central Alberta communities. Check them out online or in beautiful downtown Lacombe. Well, the harmonious gentlemen are really thrilled to welcome Jess to the podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us. 
um, just not knowing you really from before this, but having some mutual connections, we're mm-hmm. glad that you're here and yeah. it takes vulnerability to show up and tell your story. Yeah, so thank you. what we do know about you is you're a longtime Red Deer resident. Yes. You're a student at Red Deer College. That's correct. Taking education. Yep. Which is a great uh, field to get into. So yes. good job That's for you. Right. and yeah and we're just really glad that you're here with us thank you thank you so much yeah it's really good to be here and um share my story um so i guess like all good stories you start at the beginning yeah (laughs) um i am a fifth generation um born and raised into a religion that has no name Um, so it's a small sect of Christianity and, um, yeah, it was, obviously I had no choice in my parents and my upbringing, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a small, a small denomination of Christianity. It's very similar, not in theology or doctrine, but in the way it kind of operates, um, like Mormonism or uh, Jehovah Witness, very mm-hmm. insular. Uh, it's very like one true way doctrine. I know Mormons believe they're the one true church on the earth. Mm-hmm. We also have that same belief as well. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of steps to take to become a member, and um, we we call it professing. And uh, at age eight is when I professed to follow Christ, and then at age sixteen I was baptized, and um, yeah, it's. An interesting church, so, yeah. Does it intentionally not have a name? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. definitely on purpose. Yeah, I I don't know a whole lot about, like, the founder and the origins of it. Um, I am going to give you guys a link to a book called Preserving the Truth that has more information about the history of it, so check that out in show notes. But, yeah, it was started by this gentleman named William Irvine, Irvine who was really frustrated with the churches in England at the time. And he thought, we, we got to simplify this. And, you know, he was frustrated with the collection plate. He was frustrated with a overpaid minister. He was frustrated with all these things. And he just, he wanted to pare it down. And so became a home-based fellowship and a church with no name. Um, just kind of taking the name of Jesus, taking the name of God. Um, the our ministry and leadership leadership go homeless and salaryless. They stay in the homes of the members in the areas where they're working, and um, yeah. So it, it was definitely intentional. As a member, it's difficult though to be a part of a church with no name. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we mentioned before that two by two. That is a nickname. Was it a nickname? Yeah, a nickname, and um. Yeah, so it's because of our ministers go out two and two. So okay, yeah. So is that, that a nickname other people outside the church have given it? Yes, and that is strictly a nickname outside the church. Like members would not call themselves okay. two by twos. Um, you would hear more something like um, the fellowship, the truth, the way. Also, they refer to members and the ministry as the friends and workers. So our ministers are called workers, and our members are called friends. So okay. Yeah, that's kind of some common terminology. I'm, can I, I'm just going to say that when you first, the first few things you said about it, I, I liked. Yeah. Like, yeah. kind of just like, yeah. uh, resi- like rejecting or, or pushing back against um, completely like the complexities of, of doctrine and then also like the collection plate and overpaid staff. Like yeah. that, that all sounds good. So that's, that's where I'm at. at yeah. This point. Yeah. 
and you, yeah, and I. So I'm, now we call you Elder Tyler, and <laughs> now what do we do? How do I get in? Just How do I get in? Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, and and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but there are definitely positives and negatives to the the religious right, this religious organization that I grew up in and believed in for a very long time, um, and that is one of them actually. Um, our home-based fellowship meetings, and we don't have a formal church building either. So our home-based fellowship meetings were my favorite part, very intimate. Everything that I think spiritual health is actually all about. And so that was a, a positive for sure. But you know, you can still be dogmatic about good doctrine, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's where we're at today. So as a youngster, between yeah. the Professing or confessing? What professing. You, professing yeah. and baptism. Like yeah. how large were the groups that you're meeting with? Did you realize you were in yeah. like a smaller sect of Christianity? Or? De- uh, definitely. And we were, it was kind of, you know, we were told we were the light of the world. You know, there was definitely an evangelical undertone to being a two by two. Um, you know, we were just to be quiet lights in the world. And it was always a really big deal when somebody asked us about our faith and we could, you know, have these quiet, reverent conversations mm-hmm. about our faith and invite them to gospel, a public gospel service. But yeah, I uh, the home-based fellowship meetings are about 15 to 25 people and they are in designated homes by leadership, by the ministry. And then that they usually take place on, well, they always take place on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, there's a public gospel service, usually in the community hall, a school gym, mm-hmm. something like that. And then that's where um, any, outs- call them outsiders, any outsiders want to come listen. Yeah. And then would they be invited to the home services eventually? Eventually, yeah. So we always start with the gospel services. And then, of course, it's on how serious you know, this outsider is and, you know, learning more about it usually starts with coffees, with ministry um, and leadership. And then, yeah, eventually, you know, if they're like pretty serious, they'll come and observe a fellowship meeting. And then once they make their official profession uh, of faith, then they would start participating in the fellowship meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And so professing is, uh, maybe I'll just dive a little bit into that and what that means and looks like. So in our public gospel services and in our annual Christian conventions in the summer, there is an opportunity given um, to anyone who wants to make a formal stand to follow Jesus and become a member of the way that we observe and follow Jesus. So um, there's a, usually a special hymn that's chosen, and the minister will say, you know, in the last two verses of this hymn, stand to your feet to make a public profession of your choice to follow Jesus. And that's how it's done. And then once you do that, um, yeah, then you're placed in a home-based fellowship meeting and you can start participating, which means starting to pray and give a testimony in the fellowship meetings. Yeah. You're probably hanging out with these people a lot. Are yeah. you going to public school? Is it are yeah. kids homeschooled? What is that? Yeah, like? no, it's it's definitely in the world, not of the world. That's a big thing for two by twos. Uh, so I, I went to a public school my whole life and was really encouraged to be a light there and to keep the faith. And, and But it's also a bit of a strange dichotomy to hold because at the same time, you know, we were really encouraged not to become best friends or close friends with people at school, don't date an outsider, like date within the church, but yet still trying to evangelize and quote unquote, be a light. So it was a weird two things to hold at one time. Yeah. yeah. Is it like a secretive 
kind of thing. I know like, <gasps> with Jason, our talk really kept going back to these things that, you, you know, you kind of talk about or like, did you yeah. have those types of things? It wasn't secretive, but it was definitely like, there, we do have no official church website. It's definitely like boots on the ground, word of mouth, kind of like evangelical evangelicalism and ministry, you know, our ministers will go walk through parks and go to local Starbucks and you're just looking for people to chat to. Um, so that is kind of how the evangelical side of it works. And really it's through members and in the workplace, in schools, um, parent groups, you know, whatever people are a part of, um, that is typically how, um, outsiders would come to know about a a two by two. So not super secretive. Yeah. 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 Our capitalist listeners might want to know, how does this sustain itself? <laughs> if yeah. ministers aren't getting paid, are they living on, like, are people supporting them? Yeah. Because so isn't that just getting paid? Yeah. So they're, they, they're um, sustained by gifts, uh, monetary gifts that members can give. Um, mm-hmm. So unlike Mormonism, for example, which, you know, they have to give the 10% of their salary, we're just really encouraged to give what we can, which, again... Is a positive. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then there is like a, a, usually a vehicle in the area that they're working that is a loan to them. And then they just go from member's house to member's house and stay about three to four nights at a time. And yeah. How do they become a minister? Like, mm-hmm. do they graduate? Like, are they ordained in other, any denomination and then they convert? No, or? no, no, it's, so this is something else that is really, was at least, it might be changing now, but was really drilled into me and my generation was other churches are false churches and other doctrine is false doctrine. They're wolf, wolves in sheep's clothing. So hmm. our, our doctrine and theology is taught kind of, they call it like an apprentice, Right. So they would have they would be paired. A younger minister would be paired with an older minister learning about the ways of ministering, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. of Evangelizing (laughs) and the way that they do. um, Yeah. The way that they do it. And yeah, there there don't there's no school of two by two ordination. But the way that they're run in various communities is consistent, you would say. Yes, like yes. There's sort of some of those rules, like, you, you know, there's no building, like those things are, are always consistent yes, across the Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. No building, homeless, salaryless ministry, uh, fellowship meetings in the home. Um, also, we don't believe in the Trinity, similar to Mormons okay. as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So three. Which part of the Trinity would there be the most difficulty with? Um, <laughs> so... If, in the, terms of God, yeah. So God, uh, like God the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are all like, or the Holy Spirit are all we we recognize and identify with all of them, but they're not the same thing, and so they are their own entity, and but united like a like a unified front. And this is how God helps you. This is how Jesus helps you. And this is how the Holy Spirit. Okay. Helps what about you. the divinity of Christ? The divinity of Christ, yes, we we believe in the literal, like that Mary was conceived, like conceived of God, and you know Jesus is part human, part divine. Definitely believe that, Son of God, um, but not not but the not same. God. Yeah, exactly, but not God, not the two, same. Two by twos. If there's yep. a different word, we should be using. No, two by twos is good. Yeah, um, use the Bible. Yes. As we would recognize it? Yes. So King James Version is oh. what we use. Um, we uh, definitely 
adhere to the Bible. But then again, also kind of like not, because as I was deconstructing, I found a lot of passages that I was kind of like, I've never heard this spoken about before. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But we can get into that later in my story. But yeah, Yeah. that's... I don't know the order of things here, but I just have a question. As a young, like a youth, let's say, in the church, would you have known of other people in other cities or... Definitely. So you would identify or somehow there's a connection to people in other communities? Yeah, and and you tend to connect up with other people from other cities through the annual Christian convention that we would go to every summer. Mm -hmm. And so those are bigger bigger gatherings. They go for four days. People bring their trailers and tents. They stay in dorms. And so we'd get to know people from Calgary, people from Edmonton, kind of people from all over. So, and there's a lot like, yeah, like I'm fifth generation. So, you know, my parents know people who's their parents, my grandparents, right? right? So you just, these family connections start to, Hmm. yeah, build over time. Yeah. Those conferences aren't interdenominational either? No, no, they're just two by two. I'm confused how this is all held together. If it doesn't really have Mm. a name and... Yeah. Like how can... Yeah, if it's just being passed down... Yeah. That's confusing to me. It, it is. And, you know, it, when I was a member, I would have been like, well, that's the Holy Spirit that keeps it all together. Okay. But, and, and that's what you would hear. Um, but, you know, there there is like, we did have to register a formal name um, when some of our ministers want, uh, were going overseas to missions over in other places and you know, due to visa reasons and stuff, we needed to register a formal name. So at the government level, there is a name, but we are really not encouraged to use it and in everyday oh. life. Um, before we go forward, sure. though, um, you mentioned in our, you kind of had a nice little outline for us. Yeah. That you are not in the church anymore. Yes. But you have friends and family who still are. Yes. And just being sensitive to that. Very much so. Yeah. 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 My family, my parents are still members. My two younger brothers are not members anymore. They left about a decade before I did. Um, so they're not members, but I have lots of cousins, aunts, uncles, close friends. So I, I want to be sensitive of that. And um, in no way am I, you know, wanting to people to stop practicing this mm-hmm. type of Christianity. I think there's some really beautiful aspects of it, but yeah. there's also some harmful aspects of it. And, you know, just sharing my story, it's a, it's a, there's not a lot of resources out there mm-hmm. for people who want to leave or are questioning or something like that. So. All right, Jess, I'm really interested in this. This is, uh, I have lots of questions and lots of uh, um, things I find interesting Mm -hmm. and intriguing, but also there's this little seed of concern kind of rising up, but uh, Chris has <laughs> kind of, he's prompted some questions by saying like youngster and yeah. youth. Um, I guess the next logical step would be as you're you're growing up and you're becoming an adult or you're graduating high school. Yeah. What does, what does that look like yeah. as a part of this church? So definitely, and I'll come from my perspective as a elder millennial woman. Um, so there's some options, um, definitely, um, what to do. Uh, women can go in ministry. So if they feel a calling to um, write a letter to the overseer of the province, 
which we have an overseer minister of, of each province, uh, kind of expressing a desire to be part of ministry, they definitely can do that. And so there are women preachers, so that's great. Okay. Is there a woman overseer? No. Oh. That, yeah. It's, it's too far, Graham. Too far. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do the overseers come in twos? No, there's just one overseer per province. And then they, but they still are in a pair working in an area of the province. But there's just one of them. I don't know this, but I'm guessing the two by two thing comes from like the Great Commission, like to go out and. Exactly. Yeah, from Matthew 10. Yeah, Matthew okay. Yes. To all yeah. corners of the earth That's and preach correct. the gospel. Yeah. 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 So that is one option after, as you know, you're entering adulthood and wondering what to do. Um, there's all, education is also permissible. Um, generally, it's encouraged to go with a really practical program like a nurse or a teacher or trades or business administration, something like that. Um, athletics, entertainment, the arts, not super encouraged um, as developing a career in one of those areas is considered not humble. So if you're mm. going to be a sports nice. star or something in the entertainment industry, mm. you're putting yourself on a stage and you'll ha- you'd have to miss church on Sunday and mm. you know it could really weaken your faith. And yeah, so those careers are not encouraged. Anything kind of practical and yeah, is, but uh, you know, as most conservative Christian sects are, um, getting married and having children is the ultimate path for a woman. And that's, when you mentioned you, you could be, you could be a preacher. Yeah. Is that encouraged? Like, was that like, do they sort of find those of you who they think would be, and encourage you or? Yeah, they, what they, what they, the way they ask it is, pray about what you think your path into adulthood looks like. Okay. And so if you feel a calling to ministry, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you feel a calling to education, that's also great. Um, if you feel a calling to get married, start having kids, be a housewife, be a mom, that's yeah. also great. But I mean, like ultimately I don't, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not feminists, right? Like they're not going to, you know, encourage a woman to just, you know, if she wants to be married, not married and child, like childless, like and own her own life and have autonomy and agency and all like, you know, there are some women who are like that in our church, but it's definitely not like encouraged. Okay. Yeah. Besides the um, minister, is there other structure like elders or leaders in the church? Yes. So there, there is, definitely an order to the way things operate within leadership. There's the, so we'll just go provincially, I guess. So there's the overseer of the province, and then there would be the male workers or ministers, then the female workers or ministers, and then the elders of the designated homes where the fellowship meetings are. So there'd be an elder and an elder's wife, and then there'd be a deacon and a deacon's wife. So if for some reason the elder and his wife are away on a Sunday, can't take you know, host that meeting, they would ask the deacon and mm. his wife to come open the home up. And yeah, so that that's some other leadership positions within. So it sounds like there's recommendations or of, for paths forward out, yeah. of, out of high school. Yeah. But what would it, what would it look like if you were resistant or you in, cause if you went to a big, did you go to a big public high school? I did, yeah. Big. So like there's all kinds of options for you to participate in, like drama or Definitely. band, things yeah. like that. What if you find that you're passionate about that <laughs> yeah. and you say, I want to pursue this further? Like yeah. what would what would the response look like? 
Well, that's actually a funny. You should ask that question. That was actually my experience. Oh, okay. I um, I loved drama and musical theater. Took that all through high school. Mm-hmm. Drama was my community, my people. I went to New York City with my drama program in year two thousand. Uh, I was in my senior play in two thousand one. I was really involved in the drama program. And there was also, at that time, there was a theater program at RDC, a two-year theater program. Lots of my friends went into that, and I really wanted to go into that program. I wanted to be a star on Broadway. I That was the goal. And I always said, I was like, and I would say this kind of playfully, but I was like, if I wasn't professing, I'd be moving to New York in a heartbeat. Wanted to be on Broadway so bad. Um, loved the, all of that. But I... I didn't. I, it was more noble to follow church doctrine, be a humble woman. So, yeah. so you kind of like self, res- like you restricted yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that is, that's kind of a darker undertone of, of the church is, I was thinking about this before the show, like it's almost like you profess to become a member of the church and the identity of the church is first and foremost, and then your identity in Christ. Just even because we we don't think that other churches are right, like there's a there's a false yeah there are false churches. So if would there be like excommunication if you were to choose those things, or that it just right. wasn't even an option to choose it? Yeah, it sometimes it would depend. Like there would need to be some pretty serious circumstances to get excommunicated. But yeah, like for me, I I sat my parents down when I told them I was leaving, and you know if they find out I'm going to go to another church or went to another church, there's nothing they can really do about it now. Um, as a member, and we'll get into this in my deconstruction story, but I I did go to other churches when I was still a member, and that was really difficult. Just going back to your decision to not move to New York. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that was more rooted in your fear about what happened within your community, or your or or was it more just like you believed it was the right thing to do? It was both. Yeah. Both for sure. Yeah, definitely worried about what my community would have thought of me. Yeah. Um, as this like woman going off to New York and wants to pursue a career on Broadway. But also in my heart, I did believe I was making the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any two by two members, professing members that are part of athletic communities, famous people that you know of that like you would have looked up to as a kid or? No, no, it, I I really, uh, like maybe in the U.S. or in another country, somewhere in Europe, something like that. But within Alberta, Western Canada, I didn't know of anyone. So you graduate? Yes. And what is your outlook what at that point? What is my outlook? What are you, you well, going to do? Funny story. Yeah. <laughs> I go to RDC anyways, but I and I'm in the education program right at, straight out of high school. And um, that's the dream, to be a teacher. Uh, I immediately drop out the jump from high school to university college was just too big for me. And honestly, I, I did want to get married. That was what I wanted to do. And I got really serious about finding a husband. And I don't think I knew it at the time that I was getting serious about finding a husband, but I definitely, like in retrospect, I definitely was. My dad is from the East Coast and my mom is from Alberta. So I have a lot of connections on the East Coast and I ended up meeting um, someone my age, a, a man, uh, from Newfoundland, who, um, yeah, we started kind of a, he was also a two-by-two two as well. We started mm-hmm. like MSN, chatting on MSN, writing letters, yeah. writing emails. Good you memories know. of MSN. Yeah. <laughs> Early <laughs> <Yeah>. 2000s. 
have really drawn Tyler in with this part of the story. <laughs> yeah, and we started dating in 2002. And by 2004, we were married. So very quick courtship, quick uh, engagement, and yeah, married by 2004. So Is that two by two typical? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can so, you briefly describe a two by two marriage ceremony? Yeah. Um, so it is not religious at all. Interesting. Yeah. It's typically done by justice of the peace or I think a mayor has the ability to do a, a marriage ceremony as well. It's usually in like a hall outside, not in a church, absolutely not in a church. And it's just a civil ceremony. Yeah. And often we'll write our own vows. And then at the reception, um, often there are workers at a two by two marriage. And so they'll give a little speech of spiritual encouragement or read a passage scripture or something like that. But the actual ceremony itself is just a civil ceremony. Yeah. Settled into married life. Um, and soon found myself in a very toxic, abusive marriage. I think my situation's a bit extreme. I'm not saying all two by two marriages are like, were like this, but mine was. And, you know, I think there was parts of two by two doctrine that contributed to um, mentalities and thinkings and narratives and beliefs. But yeah, I I just was not partnered with a very um, healthy person. Yeah. And so that kind of unraveled over 13 years. I was married for 13 years. And it's important to know that uh, a very strong belief of two by two doctrine is we don't believe in divorce and remarriage. So you get one shot at marriage and you make it work. Um, because if you don't and you choose to leave your spouse, you're, and you, you want to stay a member of the church, um, you're committing to like a life of being single, uh, being celibate um, until your spouse dies. Yeah. So you, so you can you can divorce. You but, can but divorce, but no remarriage. And they don't even encourage divorce because they. It was told to me that's opening that's opening the door to the temptation of remarriage. Right. So they really encourage legal separation and or reconciliation overall, everything. But you know, I could not stay in the situation that I was in, and so. But then, so I left my marriage five years ago, just in this, in an immediate sense of freedom. And my faith was still very important to me. It was, it was everything to me during those early days of my separation. My faith community was very important to me. My relationship with God was very important to me. You know, I'd never, ever saw myself leaving, um, but I fell in love. <laughs> yeah. So you're starting to grapple with some big questions. Like, you know, at the time I was 33, 34, and, you know, was I just supposed to live alone for the rest of my life? Like, how, do, how does this work? And and so I I got it resolved. Something persisted in me, and I got it resolved in myself. I'm going to look into divorce and remarriage, why we believe what we believe. I'm going to look into other biblical um, interpretations of the passages of Scripture that we use. I'm really going to deconstruct this thing. And I... I don't know about you guys, but like you just don't deconstruct one thing. Right. Right. You, were those thoughts you were having before, like during those 13 years of no. marriage? Uh, like no. That was after. That, that was you, after. Yeah. Like yeah. I told, like I can remember telling my mom, like, this is it. I'm committed to walk the straight and narrow. I'm going to be single for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. The most important thing for me was to be free from my marriage. Um, but I was really committed, yeah, yeah. to stay single. Right. 
Did your family know of your struggle during those 13 years? No. And that was, that was, uh, you know, and I shouldn't say that my mom witnessed a lot of things that when I finally came to them and told them the truth, my parents came to my parents, told them the truth in like 10 seconds, my mom got it immediately. So she definitely, but you know, it's a hard thing to bring up and talk Mm -hmm. about. Like, this is my daughter's husband. Mm -hmm. How do I talk about her marriage to her? How do I talk about my concern? You know, all those things. And also I was, I was told by my ex-husband not to talk about our marriage to anyone. I was part of how he isolated me. Controlling. Yeah. 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 Was the church active in kind of like suppressing you to, to remain committed, like actively? Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely we would hear messages in and sermons about like the sanctity of marriage and the importance of staying together. So when my ex-husband and I separated, I was taken to lunch and coffees by leadership and, you know, strongly told not to divorce. They understood that the reasons I was separating from him, but don't pursue divorce. That's going to lead you to temptation to remarriage. They definitely, they definitely, there was words spoken to me to not get divorced. That's kind of an interesting spin on, on that whole sanctity of marriage discussion where it's not, not so much about the divorce that's you can do that. Yeah. But that's your one chance. That's your one chance. It's, it's, yeah. That's yeah. a, a new way of yeah. thinking. I've never heard that before. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned that you separated from your husband and that led to a time of uh, questioning, deconstructing. Yes. Was that sort of, was there one sort of thing that caused you to start that line of thinking or were there sort of lots of issues? What sort of began you on that journey? Yeah. So that um, deconstructing divorce and remarriage was the first thing, kind of the first Jenga block, hmm. if you want to call it that, that I kind of pushed at and wanted to see like what this was all about. I found a lot of great information about it some possible misinterpretations in the King James Version, all these things. And that I just got more curious. And I started to look into, you know, why we weren't affirming of LGBTQ. Oh, all kind of purity culture, um, you know, leadership, um, all these things, feminism. And, you know, we believe in complementarianism, which is, you know, the hierarchy of men above women, why is that? And pushing at that and um, evolution, creation, bi- biblical liter- liter- literalism, all of these things, I just just were like the next inevitable steps that fell into my lap. And I just started undoing all of it. And it's quite a thing to not only stand in like the chaos of like my imploded marriage, but now my faith community, my faith kind of in general was unraveling all around me. And that was very, very difficult. But I was also so curious and something in me, keep going, keep going. Um, I wanted, I wanted this. And you, you hadn't really felt that until that point in your life. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I find interesting about the two by twos is a lot of churches that are a little more strict and fundamental, I guess, Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say, but like they actually shelter more. 
Definitely. Right? Homeschool or like the world is evil. Yeah. But you, you're in public schools. That's totally fine. Yeah. Like hearing about evolution. Yeah, I was, you know, like, yeah, took science, science yeah. classes on it in high school, wrote tests on it and, you know, it was part of my mark and yeah. definitely. But again, the, the be in the world and not of the world was a big thing. We, we had our beliefs and, you know, we just kind of went through the motions yeah. of public school. And, yeah. yeah. As, as you were deconstructing, I'm trying to just put myself into that situation where you're, it seems like your identity was so wrapped up in the identity of the church. Yes. And then as you start pulling at the threads of that identity, what does that do to you? Like, were you angry? Were you... Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, that's the, how I would feel. Yeah. It would be the anger. So I shouldn't uh, project that, but <laughs> how did you feel as you were doing that yeah. towards the church? No, there was some anger that came up. I call it my righteous anger phase. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, you know, and not so much to like outward to like my parents or like, you know, yeah. maybe a little bit, but like more internal venting. I couldn't, I was taking in a lot of um, progressive Christian theology at that time, uh, like Richard Rohr, uh, his his books and things like that. And, you know, I was just this sponge taking in all this information. And I didn't know that, like, I didn't actually know that Christianity could be so beautiful as, like, what I was learning as I was deconstructing and finding out that there was other ways of, like, reading the Bible and looking at Christian theology. And so it was like, I was excited, but I was angry. And um, another thing that happened while I was deconstructing was um, coming, grappling with my own sexuality and revisiting that um, from when I was a teen and coming out as bisexual and coming out to my parents as bisexual and um, even just coming out to myself and Mm. rediscovering that part of myself, which is all like, it's wonderful and exciting and fun, but it's also, um, you know, I, here I kind of felt like a teenager in my, my late thirties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. it was, it was difficult and yeah, angry for time lost for right. sure. Yeah. yeah. Angry for time lost and that it took me all this time to get to where I am now. And yeah. Can I ask, um, when you're thinking things through and asking questions, is there a lot written down that you can question? Like, are you going to books? Are you going to the elders and asking questions? What mm-hmm. does that look like? Yeah. So we really frown upon any other material besides the Bible, besides the King James Version of the Bible. So no not, no Christian books even, because, you know, that's going to have the Trinity doctrine in there or like other... So there's not like two by two theologians no, who have no, written theses? And, okay. No, nothing mm. like that. And yeah, it, it, it's... I do find there is like a lot of like thought-stopping statements that are given when sometimes people want to come with harder questions or they're really probing and really have deeper questions. You know, the God's ways are above our ways or like, you know, kind of these yeah. things that they just get thought-stopped. Yeah. And you know, well, well, here's what we know, or here's what we do believe, and just to be faithful in that, and so little that we can do, and mm. those kinds of things, yeah. But as you're reading these books and yeah. wrestling with all of these things, yeah. you're in the church still. I am, yeah. I am, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to church now with a fresh ear, and I'm listening 
through a way different lens. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am critical. I am definitely coming with a critical ear now. And I can remember the last kind of big service I was in. I was writing notes furiously because I didn't want to forget or miss anything that this minister was saying. It was just so much dogma and so much othering and, and doubling down on our theology and everyone else is wrong. And I was just so, I was just so angry about it. And yeah. Did you ever confront or put your hand up at the end? No. Or? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. No, I, my little like rebellious thing was, it was a one day convention kind of annual convention we have in December and there's three meetings in that day and I just left after the last or the second meeting at the very end I just left that was like my little rebellious walkout yeah. so yeah and it was about three months after that two months after that that I had the conversation with my parents that I was leaving mm. and yeah just that was the biggest thing was just how othering and the way that Members of Two by Two and leadership of Two by Two talked about other people, other faith practices. I just, you know, and I was, I was also falling, like I said, I was falling in love with an, another Christian at that time, and I was going yeah. to other churches with him, and you know, all these things, and so, and I was enjoying it, and I was getting spiritual help from it, and I, I was so confused as to why these are not. Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Like these are real spiritual leaders that are really helping people. And it was tough to grapple with. Yeah. Yeah. The, the part that's really interesting to me is that it, it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you didn't, you weren't really angry at God or like when you s told your parents you were leaving the church, it wasn't leaving necessarily even like Christianity. It was leaving, uh, their religion yeah. or the, their their church yeah because I, I feel like i've heard other deconstruction stories where it leads them to a rejection of kind of all christianity yeah I no i i i definitely rejected it all yeah yeah i did okay. yeah um you know and i i really rejected the image of god that the that two by two theology built up in my mind um so that he was always, God is always watching me. And we also believe you can lose your salvation. So, you know, if, if your heart's not right that day and the rapture happens and Jesus returns, like yeah. you might not be taken. And so there's so much vigilance. So it's so much hyper vigilance. And what was an, what was another thing um, that I, yeah, like an old man in the old man with a white beard in the sky. Like that was what it felt like God was. And I really rejected that. Yeah. And and I found that even as I went to other churches, that that imagery of old man with a beard in the sky was still kind of the way God was portrayed and just rejected that so, so much. I call myself a mystical atheist right now. So oh, okay. yeah, kind of leaving room for the mystery and the unknown of the cosmos. Yeah. But yeah, the, as far as the evangelical kind of Western Christian God that, you know, we've created, I, I do reject that. Yeah. Okay. And what was that? Uh, do you think when you came to your parents, when you were going to leave the church, do you think they saw, saw it coming? Do you think it was sort of like a, yeah. you know what I mean? Was it? I think, I think my mom was not surprised. 
my mom and I are very close. I feel like my mom just knows me so well. It was the same thing like when I when I left my marriage. She knew immediately. And as soon as I told her and she asked me why and I told her my beliefs have changed and she said, "Yes, that is correct." So, she she knew, but it's difficult because there is the teaching that like this is the way to heaven and this is how your soul is saved and for my parents to continue to hear that message and all of their children are not part of the church anymore I, it that's not easy for them no. to hear or know or grapple with themselves yeah 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 so kind of continuing my deconstruction journey um all the undoing there's a lot of undoing really and a, like a lot of learning as well too but but just a lot of undoing and you know dyed my hair got my ears yeah. pierced can't wear makeup or or jewelry were these things all forbidden before yeah okay. yeah so dyed my right. hair bright red and got my ears pierced and it's a very like that's a very symbolic thing for a woman when she leaves two by twos yeah. to get her ears pierced that's <laughs> yeah. like yeah it's like a, a hallmark moment yeah it's um and yeah, and then I cut my hair short <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, and I just really started to figure out who I was and who I was without the church and who was yeah. I not married and who was I, you know, as I reclaim my sexuality and all of these things. And um, I'm still on that journey for sure. But yeah. So during my deconstruction, uh, I found an online community that was a really, really important and integral part of what's now I consider my reconstruction. Um, so it was, uh, it was during COVID, online community of creatives and photographers and just like-minded people. And we would have, uh, we had three teachers and every day we there's like a word of the day and we would go on a Zoom call and we'd get a little lesson about this word. It was something like indulge or presence or something like that. And and then there's usually a journal prompt or a creative photography prompt where we would go out into the world and and find the ways that these things showed up. And it was a focus too on the natural element. So air, earth, uh, fire, and water. That was kind of like the way it was structured. And I found myself in nature a lot and it was so beautiful. And it was also, it was just, yeah, it was my refuge. It was my new church. It was an integral part of stepping back, finding some clarity, you know, getting out some of that anger, having a community to lean on. And a lot of the the community members too were you know ex evangelicals or ex Mormons or something like that. So we we had come from similar backgrounds, and I mean, it just talking about it in hindsight feels like pure magic. But yeah, um, yeah it was a really big part of my deconstruction and my love of nature again. Got into the enneagram, got into astrology, you know, finding ways to find my myself and you know, who I was and how I could relate to the people around me and the world around me. And and I'm still on that journey. And it's been fascinating. I love looking into new ways of how the world works, worldviews, things like that. How did you find that community? Um, in what way? Like how, how did you, did, 
you meet somebody and they oh. say, hey, come join this group? Or did you, okay, were yeah. you like browsing for? Yeah, no, I see what you're asking. Yeah. So I had a friend of mine who's a photographer. Um, she lives in Calgary and she follows this uh, photographer from the U.S. who started this community. And just from some of the things that I, I just had started sharing some of my deconstruction story on my Instagram and she just picked up on a few things and she, bless her heart, she messaged me on Instagram and she's like, this community is really sacred to me. I don't do this with everybody, but I think you would love this. Hmm. Um, here's the link. Come check it out. Here's what we do. And she was right. And yeah. 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 I kind of want a community like that. Oh. Chris, can you start one? <laughs> Zoom meeting Sunday at 11. <laughs> Does it still meet even though COVID's over? No, it's all over now. We've gone back to our lives and, but those, uh, it was predominantly, predominantly women, some non-binary folk, but we're all still friends. We have a group chat on Instagram or Facebook friends and they will forever be special in my heart. Mm. Yeah. We had a in-person retreat in North Carolina last summer, summer oh, cool. 2020 or not last summer now, I guess summer 2021. Um, oh, cool. and we saw each other in person and it was really beautiful and yeah, it was amazing. Mm. So something that I think is pretty cool is that you were going to be a teacher yeah, initially, right? <laughs> yes. Going way back yes, and uh, didn't finish it then. But yep. what are you up to these days? That is what I'm up to yeah. <laughs> is becoming a teacher. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that was part of, that is part of my reconstruction. That is part of just finding myself again. And, you know, for the, as long as I can remember, I've wanted, I've wanted to be a teacher and that feels like a great reclaiming that feels... Um, I, I love school. I love where I am. I'm so excited to be a teacher. I am going back to school later in life, but my career is a little, will be a little shorter, but that's okay. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not about wasting any more time because I, yeah, I feel a little shortchanged (laughs) as it is, but, (laughs) um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. I am in a relationship with a woman, a lovely woman. And we went to church on Sunday. We went to the United Church um, for a service, and it was yeah. really beautiful. You know, the, I'm sure that's the start of a joke. So an atheist walks into a church, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was really beautiful. I I really love the way the United Church talks about God and some of their theology. I'm looking forward to going again on oh, this yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I'm kind of holding everything very lightly. That is my theme of 2023 is just to unclench my fists a little bit and just to let go. And I think with that will come a lot of freedom. And because when you're raised in a high demand religion, there is so much emphasis put on getting things right and not making mistakes and not messing up and, and God is watching you and, or leadership is watching you, or, you know, there's this, this emphasis on getting it right. And I I put a lot of pressure on myself on even getting deconstruction right and then getting my reconstruction right. But it's like, that's not how it works. Like this is where it's messy. This is the messy middle. And I'm just trying to learn to hold things a little looser. And, you know, the United Church might work for me for a season or a lifetime or something in between. I don't know, but that's where I am right now. And I don't even feel the need to 
to change my label as mystical atheist to to go to church. Right. Um, yeah, I, I feel a lot of freedom and and even in astro- like I love astrology. I don't feel the need to give up astrology just because I'm going back to church as yeah. well. Just a lot of things <laughs> jumbled together, and I'm figuring it out. So yeah. Well, Jessica, uh, thanks a lot yeah. uh, for sharing with us tonight. Yeah, it's kind of like putting you on the spot. Hey, just tell yeah. us your whole story. <laughs> tell us everything about yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and, yeah, listening and curious about my story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we really appreciate your vulnerability and, yeah, yeah it's been great. Yeah. I, have one, I have one question, though. Sure. What's, your, what's your favorite Richard Rohr book? Oh... This is so, this is so funny now. Cause like I'm, I consider myself like a mystical atheist and I don't really know what I think about the Trinity, but I read his book, the divine dance, okay. which is all about the Trinity and his spin on the Trinity. And I loved it so much. It is a really beautiful book. Falling upward is also a yeah. beautiful book and the universal Christ, probably my top three. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I've read two of those, okay. I'll, but I'll read the the third one. Yeah. The, yeah. What's the the dance one? What's the divine called? dance. Divine dance. Divine yeah. dance. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we should probably confess as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Chris, how you're feeling? Yeah, I need to. Yeah. By the way, Chris, thanks for hosting tonight. This is your house. Oh yeah. It's yeah. so warm Thank in here. You. It's cozy. My cheeks like Very quite cozy. red. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We had some muffins earlier. It was wonderful. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> So I've been pretty into using this new AI lately. I think I've—I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but a lot of people who I've seen in the last month or so, I've been talking about. I think it's Chat GPT. Uh, I forget what it's called, but Chat Bot? No, it's not Bot. It's—it's a a Chat Bot. But you can—you ask questions, and it—it uses its uh, database to to create something for you. So what? That's what. What's unique about this? I won't get into like the the whole AI part. I'll I'll just get to my confession. <laughs> my confession is that I use this AI um, to write our episode description on the last episode. I don't know if loyal listeners maybe noticed that the episode came out a little bit later in the day. I was in a rush to get it out. I just put into the AI write a podcast description for an episode oh. about uh, whatever about burnout. Yeah, yeah. Pushed wow. enter, it spit something out. I just copy and pasted it into SoundCloud. Maybe actually, I had to put it. Oh no, I even said for a podcast called Harmonious Gentlemen. So I didn't even have to add that in myself. The AI huh. did that all. Wow. I'm doing a little bit of research here. I want to. Yeah. It's better than most of the <laughs> episode descriptions <laughs> I've written. Really so I might just read it real quick. Read it this I read it if you want. It is good. In this episode, the gents, is it the gents? Really? It did this? It's possible I changed just that. The gents discuss the all-too-common experience of burnout, stress, anxiety, and depression. These are issues that many of us face at some point in our lives, and it's important to have open and honest conversations about them. You didn't write that? I didn't write that. Wow. (laughs) They explore the causes of these challenges and the difficulty in managing and coping with them. Whether you're dealing with these issues yourself or just looking to better understand and support those who who are, this is an episode you won't want to miss. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I do remember what I changed. I did change like the... Uh, the perspective, like it was, 
Mm. Like I changed it so like they or yeah. the gents, I did put that in. Right. But that is that something is else. all I did. That's mm. crazy. We should do an episode where we give it, we say, we ask it to write a script <clears throat> oh, it, with it our will. names and then we can just read the script out for an episode. For an episode about deconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Jessica, do you have one? I do have one. It's a little bit embarrassing. So I don't know if you are from how familiar you are with TikTok and YouTube, but there's this genre of vlogging videos that is like kind of aesthetic cleaning videos. Mm. So there's nice music in the background and you see people making their beds and doing laundry <laughs> and cleaning the kitchen and vacuuming and it's just lovely. So <laughs> when I am struggling to do my own household chores, I pretend that I have a camera set up and nice. I am going to be making one of these aesthetic cleaning <laughs> videos for my hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. I light a candle, I put like soft music on and you know, I have zero followers on anything and <laughs> but it is motivating and it yeah. helps and so that is my confession. Clean but you don't record lunch? it? I don't record it. I just pretend. It's all imaginary. Oh, wow. You know, I kind of do something similar when I have a lot of tasks and I sort of talk about like, well, I think first thing I'm going to do, like I sort of... Right. I don't pretend I'm talking to a camera, but... Yeah. No, I got like a camera set up and it's going to go out to my, all my viewers. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's not that embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. I don't think mine is either, but it's kind of a two-parter. Peter, our friend Peter, friend of the show and Mm -hmm. special guest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, went away for holidays and asked me to look after his home. So I thought it would be nice to do something for him. So I bought three books from the thrift store and have hid them in his house on his bookshelf in various places in his house to see if he'll catch on. So he's not going to, there'll be at least two weeks where he hopefully he'll have a chance to, before he hears this podcast. Yeah. Uh, But actually what I need to confess is he gave me a bottle of whiskey for looking after the place, which was way more than he should have. Mm-hmm. And it comes in like a carton or a tube kind of with like a little lid. Mm-hmm. And I must have had it upside down because when I got out of my car, it fell out and shattered on my garage oh, floor. No. So this really beautiful bottle of whiskey. My, you can prove this by going to open my garage door and just taking a big <laughs> whiff in there because it smells like really nice whiskey. <laughs> and I <laughs> have decided I'm not going to tell Peter. Okay. Hopefully he doesn't hear this so thing. I, well, now that he's not on it, he doesn't listen. Yeah, so. He probably doesn't, so... I was really disappointed, though. Yeah, and, uh, that's... Like, really boneheaded move on my part. Did you have that moment where you just sort of stared at it? You know what oh. I mean? Like, you just... Your body freezes. Shanna was in the house and came, and she's like, I heard a crash and a yell. What happened? And I was just looking at the ground. Considering, like, do you try and scoop do it I up somehow? suck <laughs> some of it out of the <laughs> snow that my car left behind? <laughs> no. Like slushy. It's really sad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, on a less sad note... My confession is is a it's a reoccurring theme, but early January is usually when New Japan Pro Wrestling runs. <laughs> yes, their I haven't heard of one of these. Their yearly <laughs> super show called Wrestle Kingdom, <laughs> and I haven't watched for a couple of years. Pandemic really, really it's for real. Oh. The pandemic hadn't it, wrestling. I don't know if you guys know this, but like there was no crowds. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't think wrestling works. Yeah. In that True. context. Yeah. You probably don't think wrestling ever works, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but okay. So my confession is that the thing is, it's always on at like two a.m. our time, and so when I was younger, I would sometimes stay up and watch it. And this time, 
I couldn't justify staying up, but I still kind of wanted to see some of it. So I set my alarm for 3.30 in the morning. Uh, and I sort of hated myself as I punched the numbers in. I was like, what are you doing? Like, I was <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you doing with your life right now? And I punched it in. Um, but I will say the alarm went off. I turned it off. Went back to sleep. Oh, so okay. I did not. So the embarrassing so part is watch like, it. I definitely caught some clips the next morning. But, <laughs> 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 but I couldn't bring myself to drag myself out of bed. So oh, it was embarrassing. Awesome. Could have been a lot worse. I love the wrestling confessions. Although I got more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of wanting more, mm-hmm. I love emails like Mark's yeah. email. Yeah. It's made me think a lot and we'll continue to. Chris, we have great yeah. listeners. They should follow suit. Yeah. Keep keep them coming, guys. And you can send them all to harmoniousgentlemen at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also, you can't really write us a letter. Well. And hand deliver it. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you could also send us a note. Yeah, or you could write a letter, take a picture of it, and upload it to, <laughs> That's a good um, to Instagram, <laughs> and then tag us in it. Good, please That's do another that. Way you could do it. We we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Chris keeps talking about getting us on TikTok. No, 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 Snapchat or Snapchat. So TikTok, maybe is, one day. I refuse. Can I can I plug a show? Mm. Is that allowed at the end of the episode? Yeah, it's not. Sure. It's not my band. It's no one's listening anymore. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> You guys should go hang out at Blind Man on the afternoon of January 22nd. Okay. There's some storytellers, uh, a lovely band called The Fine Print playing some music. Oh, okay. I've heard and, of them. Uh, They're also should, on Instagram. They are. They have one post. They may have two because of this this show. But yeah, some music and some people reading some stories at Blind Man Sunday afternoon, 22nd. Cool. Sunday? Yeah, January. Okay. Jessica, thank you again. Yeah, thanks, thank Jessica. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Super fun. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Talk to her on, oh, um, the podcast. Oh, the oh, harmonious gentleman. Oh, okay, that, that was really. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to plug my Instagram. <laughs> yes, you should. You yeah, should. yeah, okay. I'm so sorry, you should. Sure, yeah. yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at my soft self. That is where I document a lot of my deconstruction and ramblings about church and God and life. Uh, so that's my soft self. Interspersed awesome. with some cleaning videos. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are all just my imagination. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Thank and you. Uh, we'll see you guys next time on My Soft Self. The Iron Money's Gentleman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>